0: let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at fanjole you select a team of Premier league players for a single day's fixtures that means you're not locked in for the whole season you can play watch and win in one day when your players nail it on the pitch you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard fanjole scoring system uses opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution so outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise every premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code Palace. that means if you don't make money in your first contest FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code Palace to grab the offer now what are you waiting for terms apply over 18s only please play
1: responsibly
2: still haven't seen that film.
1: well
2: Anchorman Anchor Man, never seen it.
1: First the Second project. one, they just tried to remake the first one and used all of the same jokes. It yeah. was just a completely pointless film. Well,
2: a bit like Airplane Two.
1: Did Airplane Two happen?
2: Yeah. yeah. I uh, I haven't
1: really planned what we're going to talk about in the intro and
3: outro, so I don't know how long they're going to last. But we'll just we'll just have a chat, really. Pointless sequels. We're just talking about pointless sequels. Uh, sorry, hello everyone. Thank you for downloading the Homestay Radio podcast. Much appreciated. Although you know, listen to the live show as well. No, then you can contribute live. It's just good. It's good that way. You know, once once you've listened to it live, and
2: then down it the podcast, that just that makes you cool, isn't it? It's a fact. It is, and we might we might have meddled with the podcast, so something that went out live may not be on there. Yeah, that has happened a few times. To be honest, <laughs> only for libelous reasons. But, <laughs> hey,
1: Terence. Uh, yeah, uh, me libelous never. <laughs> Terence's
3: a uh, nickname in our one of our Facebook chat. Was until very recently libelous mouth because of we. And I think I've said this on air before. We did a we did a podcast one Christmas show. We, like we we were out. I can't remember. We were out drinking after the game or whatever. But we recorded about an hour and a half. And uh, Will, uh, who's Patrick's mate from from America, who, who listens uh, regularly actually took the place of Joel because Joel couldn't make the recording and i did a really good job and i feel so bad we've never released it but we tried to edit around all the libelous stuff that terence said and we literally had about four minutes of stuff left it was, th- <laughs> it was
1: look there is um for all those who drink in the victory club before games they will know that there is a cider called happy days and um if i've had a few of those don't put a microphone in front of my mouth that's all I'm
3: saying. <laughs> but coincidentally, if you want to hear some amazing gossip or some completely unacceptable, spurious <laughs> rumours about Palace personalities, do seek Terrence out at the end of games when he has had cider. he <laughs> will literally tell you everything.
1: Literally.
3: Yeah. Uh, we talk a little bit more about our uh, our little journey to, to fan TV, can't we, Terrence? We had a little mention of it in the show. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, we went down to, I can't remember where it was now, Great Portland Street uh, near near Oxford Circus, went to their studios, had a couple of drinks beforehand in the, in the Phoenix. Then, uh, Yeah, we, we only had a, <laughs> had a couple, but then they foolishly sent us back down the pub, because uh, our call time was 6.30, I think, uh, but we weren't on the show till well, they came, called us back from the pub, they started to panic, um, and rightly so, because I'm not sure we would have made it back if they hadn't phoned. <laughs> but, uh, but it, if you haven't seen it do do seek out we've got a link to it on our Facebook page and on, on it's been tweeted out a few times as well it's about 45 minutes of us and I don't think I'm being biased when I say we are the best thing that has ever been on that show and probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good laugh though Terrence wasn't it
1: it was um, I thought the people were lovely down there shout out to Kamal who was the runner lovely, <laughs> yeah. lovely kid um, and I thought Toby Tarrant um Chris Tarrant's son, as "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?" Chris Tarrant. Um, I thought he was a lovely bloke um, and very knowledgeable as well, and it made for some good football chat.
3: Yeah, I mean Albert was. If you obviously a lot, of, a lot of you listening at home will, will love Albert for his ability to say unacceptable things uh, just at the exact right moment, and he uh, he did that at least twice uh, during the course of the recording. I say recording. It went out live. It was it was glorious. But uh, yeah, do check it out. It, it was good. And you know, we, we've. I think it wasn't just us that enjoyed it. They enjoyed us being on as well. And I think we're going to be uh, featuring on Fan TV throughout the course of the season. So do check it out. It's on Sky Channel Two One Two. They've also got a uh, great. They broadcast live on Facebook, and indeed on. Uh, YouTube. YouTube, thank you, thank you, uh, thanks, Nick. And there'll be a few, few more of the guys on there. If you want to know a little bit m- more about what we're like away from the professionalism of Homestay Radio, <laughs> 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 sorry, that tickled yeah. me that did. Yeah, thought we might, but we were, yeah, we were different. You got to see the real us. Sort of. Yeah,
2: you do look different on telly, Chris. A lot different, but you were kind of a bit sandwiched.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the,
2: the research about the when you lose you eat more did tickle me. Yeah,
1: yeah
3: it it's good. I
1: played oh, a don't lot. Wait there. a second, it was me who was perched on the end of that sofa. Albert and Chris were sat very very comfortably, and then there was just me, like nearly falling off the edge all of the time. So,
3: yes. only now I've watched a couple of the clips back. I still haven't been able to watch the full thing because I, I, I can't bring myself to watch myself yet. But that <laughs> I'll pass. But it was only when I saw just how crammed in you were. i felt a little bit sorry for you because i was genuinely very comfortable in that chair <laughs> and, and, albert, and yeah. albert had been on there a while was really very relaxed <laughs> so, uh, sorry sorry mate it's
1: all right
2: gil chris and albert go on the chair or break <laughs> <laughs>
1: apparently that's already happened the west ham fans already broke it apparently they had yeah. to fix it Yeah, yeah.
3: So,
1: exactly
3: but Yeah, that was their warning, wasn't it? They said, Oh, you know, have you been to the pub? We said, Oh, we've, been, we've had a couple. And it's said, okay, okay, well, you know, the West Ham fans turned up and they've been at the pub all day and they broke, broke the sofa. And then, literally, in the next breath, someone else said, Oh, you guys might as well go back down the pub. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, you learnt nothing, did you? Okay,
4: yeah.
3: it was uh, so I, I, you know, it was a very different experience to what I was uh, what i expected it to be. Um, yeah, so it'd be very good to uh. Yeah, if you guys could, could get on board with that, it's you know, they've only just started up. It's uh, it sort of reminds me a little bit, obviously in a very different scale. It reminds me a little bit of when we started on, on Homestead Radio six years ago. I that you don't you've got this idea of what you're going to do, but you don't quite know how it's going to pan out. And I think for the fact they've only been running just over I think about ten, eleven days at the time of this uh, this recording. I think they've um, they've got a lot of potential because. Yeah.
2: The, the set's a bit more Wayne's World than Sky Sports, really, isn't it?
3: <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. And they don't look, seem to like the comparisons between them and Soccer AM. I think they want to do something a little bit different to that. But I think the idea of, uh, of fans wanting to hear fans talking about the game rather than supposed experts talking about the game, I think that is, you know, well, that's something we've all got in at the, the sort of bottom end of and have, have seen grow. You know, Terence, you've got a website based on that sort
2: of premise. Uh, that's, that's pretty huge. Uh, one could say it started <laughs> with the fanzine boom in the mid 80s couldn't you and it's just extrapolated well, there with technology exactly.
3: Well should said. these
2: people listen to the show
3: uh, hold on I've, we, we should do but I've just noticed Ben are you there mate yeah still is sorry <laughs> <a> <Really laughs> sorry not only are you mainstream media Ben but uh, also we've just not even acknowledged your existence before we uh, before we go to the uh, to the to the main part of the show you got anything to say
4: um no, not really, mate, to be honest. I mean, well done on fan TV, of course. Um, yeah, I watched it. It was very, very enjoyable. And uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's all for me. Nice to see you. <laughs> see you next week. All right, well, we'll talk to
3: Ben a bit more in the outro. Uh, so enjoy the show. And we'll be back
0: after. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio.
3: Hello and welcome to Homesday Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I will be your host today as our carefully selected panel of Palace fans look back on a week which has seen us smash the club transfer record and fall to a second successive 1-0 defeat. This time it was at the hands of Tottenham Hotspur. The smallest player on the pitch, Vector Wanyama, headed home from a free kick in what was a very mixed Eagles performance. Key topics of discussion tonight will include the position of manager Alan Pardew, team selection, substitutions and the transfer market. We'll also be taking a look, taking a look at how we've been doing on Fan the daily fantasy football game, as at least one of our presenters has some gloating to do. Get in touch with us today on Twitter at HOLRadio on our Facebook page or through the new website, HOLRadio.net, with all your input today. As well, you can join us in the chat room on HOLRadio.net forward slash chat. We'll be back with your show after this short interlude.
0: Homestale Radio, sponsored by fanjuel.co.uk, The next generation of fantasy football.
3: Uh, a couple of things just before we get going on the review. I want to introduce uh, the people who have got helping me today. I've uh, got Terence Ford. Hello. Hello. Your microphone sounds different now. <laughs>
1: Does it? Oh, yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's just expressing outrage at missing redandbluearmy.co.uk. That's what it is.
3: Uh, do I have to mention that again?
1: Mm, no, it's okay. I've just done it.
3: All right, that's true. You have to attention to redandbluearmy.co.uk, haven't you? Okay. <laughs> uh, we've also got the return of Ben Nagel.
4: Hello
3: hello, you've had a lot of returns because you keep going missing for ages
4: yeah, you know, busy man, etc, cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I was actually, we did the commentary about a week ago, so it hasn't been that long really that
3: was a lot longer, that was at least two weeks wasn't it, come
4: on alright, two weeks All right,
3: and uh, rubbing his hand against his microphone we have Nick Gillard
2: salutations
3: Yeah, salutations indeed, anyway that's the panel for today producing we have, have Sam and Sam just to confuse things the girl Sam and boy Sam uh, so, a couple of things. We had a, an appearance on Fan TV, didn't we, Terence? Uh, we we did. We, uh, I'd say, I think fair to say, we stole the show, didn't we?
1: Um, but yeah, I think so. I mean, it was West Ham, Spurs, Fulham, and Middlesbrough fans on it. Otherwise, so I don't think it was that difficult. They know nothing yeah. about football.
3: Well, quite. <laughs> but uh, no, we had a really good time. even, have ever had a chance to see what uh, what we got up to. Uh, the full clip is, uh, we tweeted it a, a little while ago, so have a look at our Twitter account at HRL Radio, go a few few posts back and you can see uh, we've tweeted, it's been I say about 45 minutes uh, we were on there for, starts with Albert um, with a vote of no confidence in Palace beating Spurs, which turned out to be correct, uh, and then yeah, then we just had a uh, quite a long chat with with the host Toby Tarrant, son of Chris, uh, but yeah, he was, he was uh, a lot of fun and, and it was Good people there as well. Really enjoyed it. So do check that out uh, where well, we'll have a look and uh, we'll be appearing, well, various parts of this show will be appearing on fan TV throughout the course of uh, the season, I think,
2: which would be nice. Am I, am I right in thinking that um, it's also available on our HolRadio.net
4: page?
3: It is, I think, yeah. I think we've got a videos page. <laughs> I need, probably need to check out our website, well I've well done, Nick. Very good. Sometimes he's actually worth having on the show.
2: <laughs> well, that's actually how I watched the show live the other night, you see. Oh, okay. You had a link to it live on the HOL uh, net forward slash live TV kind of aspect of that site. Talking of whole radio.net, go to whole radio.net forward slash chat and you can chat with like minded people um, who are really, really fed up at the moment. With right, mate. right, mate, do you want to host? Come on.
3: <laughs> no, I was just trying to segue in, actually. that's all. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, okay, we'll we talk about the game in just a minute, a couple of other little things. One of the uh, guys who was on the show with us on Fantasy V, it was a guy called Gary Grant, not quite Gary Grant, but not far off, who's uh, an actor. And he just, we've had a little bit of a chat with him. We'll probably get him on the show and talk about this because he's promoting a, a film at the moment called The Magic Pills of Pets Wood. And they read out the blurb on the show. I don't know if you remember this, Terrence. It was the weirdest... Most probably, it made me laugh an awful lot. The blurb, it's got an absolutely insane plot. We'll try and tweet some stuff about it a bit, late, about it a bit later on. But if you just Google the the magic pills of Pets Wood and just read about the DVD they've released, it is in, uh, it's a charity raising film. Uh, it it just, the, I, I, I'm going to have to buy it. I've read I've read the <laughs> blurb. I'm going to have to buy it and watch it. It just sounds mental.
2: Funnily, uh, funnily enough, they have a little uh, music festival in Petswood Guess what it's called? Pets Woodstock, fantastic!
4: (laughs) Cheers, Nick. (laughs) Anyway, what was it it you were saying about him sometimes being useful?
3: Yeah, I know he's just yeah. It makes me regret any kind of praise almost immediately, so I keep it (laughs) to a minimum. It's
4: a
2: fine line,
4: isn't it? Really,
3: it it really is. So anyway, that's you know that's us pretending to be happy out of the way. You know, obviously, the you know we're we should really be going into this review thinking about the fact we've just absolutely murdered our transfer record and in, in, on a, on a signing and you know should be feeling about how bright things are in the future. But I think it's fair to say pretty much every Palace fan is very down at the moment, and we need to talk a little bit about why that is, and results have a have a factor in that. And, but you know, I'll uh, I'll be presenting sort of trying to present a more positive outlook because I'm. I think I'm now in the minority and I quite like that because I very rarely am in the minority of an opinion. Uh, but I'm currently sitting here as I think probably I would guess the only one who's, who still thinks Pardew is going to turn it around, but we'll, we'll see what the other guys mm-hmm. think. Yeah, yeah. Good noise. Good noise. Uh, so let's, let's start talking about you know, the, the Tottenham game. I, I would say we did. We, we were pretty poor first half. We really were hanging on at times under an awful lot of pressure. Uh, but I think the substitution at half time, bringing on Kabai for Ledley, uh, partially revealing that Ledley got a knock during the course of the first half and that's what the substitution was for. But that gave us a bit more impetus, and you know, in the second half, we had uh, probably a what twenty minute spell where I thought I thought we'll get something out of the game, but unfortunately, our defending let us let us down again, and it was it was a, almost a sort of I think it was the exact time we conceded against West Brom, uh, you know, and it was it's the worst possible. Way to, to lose a game really when you've uh, when you when you've not really been you know you know if, we'd, if someone had said well we did say we <laughs> were well, probably going to lose that game beforehand but it's the manner of losing it was uh, did sort of it's contributed to the the negative feeling Terence you know is that a fair summary
1: um, I think so um, if Spurs were better with their finishing I thought that was very wasteful um, before we looked like getting anything out of the game um so they could have put us to bed several times uh the Alderweire old header springs to mind from the corner um Jansen missing a few good chances but you know towards the end for that 20 minute period that you speak of um I think Zaha and Townsend got some joy down the flanks and actually showed a little bit of end product um with picking out that man in the middle of uh Townsend picking out Kabaya Zaha picking out Punchin. but um the chances were wasted, and those half chances, sort of ones you've got to take away from home against teams like Spurs.
3: Yeah, I think the, the, the second look of the Kabaya chances was, it was a lot better than I than I thought initially because but he's just he's just fallen over as he's hit it. Uh, very very disappointing to see that we're not going. But you know, that, as you say, that's, you've got to take those chances. That's been the story of not just our start to the season. That's been the story of the last twenty three games. You know where we've won two, and that's been because of. Because of the only, the only games where we took our chances, I guess. Um, but if, if we sort of talk about the lineup, we talk about what happened. Obviously, Ledley's come in to replace the departed Jedanak. I expected Kabai to start, and uh, and and Mandanda as well. He also didn't feature. So Ben, we know why this is. We know it's because yeah. because that's the approach for whatever reason we're taking to the the players that are in the Euros. But when you look around other squads who had players in that final, they're not doing that. What what are your thoughts on it?
4: Oh, yeah. I completely disagree with it. Completely. Because, you know, we're here in the start of a Premier League season. And I don't think you can... People say the same about the signing a striker. Or why have we waited so long? And it's almost like sort of we're looking at it as though the first few games don't really matter. You know, we won't... Don't worry about playing a full-strength side. You know, play play Chungi for a bit and and then eventually we'll, we'll, you know, bed them back in when when we're ready. But... I think you have to be ready for that first game of the season. I know the transfer market is difficult, but we should have had a striker in for the first game of the season. Kabai should have been fit for the start of the season. Mandanda I sort of understand because he's a new player and you've sort of got to have that relationship with the back four and stuff. But I think Mandanda has to start next week for me and Kabai should have started at the weekend and I have no idea why he didn't. Like Kabai and Ledley were both at the Euros and I know people have made the point that, that Ledley played more and so almost even though he came back from the injury almost that sort of worked as his pre-season in terms of getting him ready and, and up to, to the playing standard but Kabai, you know he's not unfit Kabai should be able to start a game and, and play 90 minutes in you know towards the end of August and yeah. the fact that he came on at half time and, and actually did very well I think until Deli Ali came on and sort of quashed him a little bit towards the end I thought Kabai actually changed the game and you mentioned that the fact that we were bad first half and then actually his influence in the second half changed that and I think it still shows that he absolutely should have started, and he is our it, strongest centre midfielder.
3: This is the point. Everyone's immediately gone on on, the, on, the, on this. Well, you know, Ledley's played more minutes in the Euro, so why isn't he being rested longer? And it's that is clearly because of how you know the the French players were away from the Palace squad for an extra week. You know, than the Welsh players. So they've been. It's like they've been given this extra week, but it's as you say, it's not about really about deciding. You know, in the summer, oh, we're gonna give them X amount of time off and then we're only gonna involve them in games if we have to, up until this point here. You you should react to what's in front of you. And we've started with a you know, with a squad that isn't good enough to win the two games that we've played. And and Pardu is rightly taking stick for that. Whether he's following advice from medical personnel or whatever. You know, we've gone out, we've gone into the transfer market, we've bought a keeper. All last season we debated the merits of Wayne Hennessy, but essentially everyone wanted him replaced. So we've gone out and we've bought a keeper. We've not played him. We've gone out and we've, you know, Tompkins, OK, got injured, unfortunately. But we've gone out and we've bought, you know, players to come in and have an effect. And we've got people like Kabai who are, you know, by rights, he should be the heartbeat of that team in the centre of midfield. Yet we are choosing, because of because of what? I don't know. Just not to play him.
2: It has always struck me as a bit weird to have the, the end of the transfer window open after the season has started you'd almost wish it would end before the season starts so that all the business could be done and and everybody can be in place before the season starts because ben's right about the the missing a month uh, as for goodbye i think that's part of his plan b that people have said he hasn't got
3: well maybe i don't I don't really know the sense in it Terence, you wanted to jump in a minute ago
1: yeah talking of the um the euro breaks and so on um it was pointed out to me, and it was something I didn't really think of by Dave who stands next to me at games, at home games. The French players were at home. They were in France. It's not like they were gallivanting off around you know, other parts of the world. It wasn't overly strenuous for them. So um, I'm confused at why the likes of Kabay and Mandanda are being left out for these longer periods, because they've just been dossing at home. I don't get it.
3: I don't think anyone can make any real sense out of it. Like I say, I, you know, I, I try to look at it logically and say, okay, why are we not playing them? You know, is there a fitness issue here? But the only common factor of both Mandanda and Kabai not featuring, whereas Hennessy and Ledley are, and Williams would be, and he not been cropped by some non-league. Uh, I nearly said a swear word though, I'll stop myself. But you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, it is pure, it's quite obviously due to time away from the squad. So we have decided that, they're going to have a pre-season and not feature, but we are damaging ourselves by doing it, and I don't see the logic. You know, and perhaps you know it'll it'll, it'll be a you know pointless discussion, uh, a, a moot point, if you will. Um, by by next week, because then I think then I think the sort of the preseason period's over, so we will see. I think we'll probably see Mandanda against Blackpool midweek. You know, and I think that might be he might take over from then, but. I don't know. It feels like a waste of the last two games, the, the, the selections that we've made.
1: Um, and you know, well, apparently, uh, Mandanda was was... Um, it's a language barrier, is what I've been told, right? Um, take of that what you will. Um, and he doesn't speak a word of English, uh, but even that makes no sense to me because keepers and push up <laughs> how diff- how difficult can that be to learn, you know? <laughs> well,
3: yeah, exactly. Um, and when you look at the communication in the box from Wayne Hennessy, <laughs> is it going to be any worse? I, I presume most of the time that Hennessy speaks in Welsh because, you know, neither Delaney or Dan know when they've got to go for the ball or not and just kind of assume that they both have to. Uh, oh, perhaps I'm being a little unfair there. Who was next? Ben, you, you wanted to interject.
4: Yeah, just a quick point just about uh, us talking about why our French players aren't playing. I would sort of understand it if, obviously, we're looking at uh, Welsh players and French players because that's who we had in, in at the Euros. If Wales had gone out in the group stages, completely fine, I understand they'd be back. Wales got to the semi-finals. It's not as though they came back weeks before France. And then on top of that, if you look at the French side, Pogba is at a new team, but he's playing already and he's starting games. Giroud is doing the same. He played almost every game at the Euros and is starting for Arsenal. So it's not as though... You can sort of look at the other players in that French squad and say, "Oh, to be fair, their managers have done the same thing." It is literally just Pardue and it is just Palace who who aren't playing their Euro players already.
3: Um, I know you've got some uh, some tweets on the, on the topic as well. I'll come back to you in a sec on those, Ben. Let you collate yep. them briefly. There's a few comments about as well. Nick, you've got a comment there from the chat room?
2: Yeah, I've got a couple. Call cool Eagle 89. Uh, nice to see you all back in there for new season. It was laughable. Pardon you saying before West Brom that we are going to change our style to be more like Barcelona. But it's the same old. Plan A, get the ball to the wings. Plan B, hoof it. Plan C, there isn't one. We so need a creative midfield. And uh, Lions 550. Uh, Gerald's neighbour but not for long has said "And why is Lee playing in front of Much, who was one of our best players in pre-season Them fighting Lee,
3: words because Lee is a footballer and Jordan Much is I don't know a builder or something <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah uh, I'll I say if everyone talks about his great pre-season I always say how, how good was Stephen Dobby pre-season when we got when we went up <laughs> then we got rid right. of him and he went to Fleetwood and sat on their bench you know
1: Who was that bloke who ended up going to Hearts? The really, really tall bloke. Um,
3: Oh, uh, I do know exactly who you mean. Uh, Sal, was it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Osmond Sal. Osmond Sal, yeah. At Waterford in pre-season, he pulled the ball down his chest and volleyed the ball into the top corner from 25 yards. And we all know what happened with him.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah. No, you you can't read stuff like that in pre-season. Jordan March has had plenty of time in a Palace shirt and never done anything with it. Uh, but when we start talking about the substitutions, and I know we are we are going to focus on that, you know, we'll talk about some performances in, in a minute. But uh, one of the, the, the major talking points in the game was was the substitutions at that at the corner. Now I, I'm going to defend Pardue with the cho- the choice of taking Delaney off because what he said after the game is absolutely right. In the Delaney, no matter what happened, because Delaney needed treatment, he would not have been allowed to defend that corner anyway. So Pardue took the decision that. If he's going to have, he's got a choice of no one or chuck James Tompkins on. He was worried enough to say, "I'm going to chuck Tompkins on and hope that it's enough." And it wasn't enough. It's it was bad. It was bad luck for for Delaney to need treatment at that point and to be injured at that point. Um, but what was not mentioned at all was the fact that there was two substitutions made. I think it's a relatively accepted logic that you that you disrupt the team if you substitute at a set, at a set piece. So to to actively disrupt your own team uh, by making two subs uh, you know and okay I've got my issues with Jordan Mutch and, and he was one of the subs and I immediately thought well we're going to concede because he came on the pitch but that's just me being you know not rating a player so we'll ignore that part of it <laughs> you know?
1: we, we, have we got anyone who's got a balanced opinion
3: on Much? I don't know <laughs> yeah Joe yeah, Joe likes Mutch so uh, yeah he usually argues with me on, the, on that point but um I think he's about it. But no, look, I I, I don't know. I don't know if everyone's got a view on that. I thought I thought the, the mistake wasn't throwing on Tompkins for Delaney. I can understand the logic once I realised that that the ref wasn't gonna allow Delaney to, to defend the corner. I just can't understand the logic. Okay, it was taking off Lee and putting on Much, but you know, Lee wasn't doing much badly. Uh and, you know, he had he had a had a pretty decent game and putting on a player even if you rate Jordan much, putting him on cold you know, it's,
2: it's it's not a good idea at a set piece. Got it. No, Lee, Lee Lee had a brilliant game, didn't he? For it yeah. was the only one who could take the ball. He was going in any direction with it. They were struggling to get the ball off his feet, and uh, he was making decent passes. And to take him off when he was probably one of our better outlets. And bearing in mind, we're supposed to be going to this new style of get out to wings and cross it in. Don't know it just seemed seemed a bit silly, but you 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 spot on. With with the demo thing, yes, you got one less person, but we we sometimes have corners where we we don't have anybody up the pitch anyway, don't we? Um, yeah, so we're true. not just bring Wickham back. Uh, Tompkins, well, Deb, what a first memory? Free first game, eh?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was look, he was caught out. There's no two ways about it, you know. I think I think Pardy pointed out that he was blocked a little bit, but well, you know, it's look, it it was unfortunate, but that's one moment in the game, you know. That's that that can happen it's it's all it's about it's about how you play over 90 minutes it's about whether you create enough and whether people are performing well enough and whether you're set up right and I, we didn't actually you know i'm going to be pretty pretty honest in, in what i think in that i don't think we actually did too much wrong in that game the way we approached it uh i could consider ourselves slightly unfortunate it's just when you line it up alongside all of, the, all of the other slightly unfortunate uh situations it starts to look much more like a pattern of ineptitude than a you know
2: than, than a bit of bad luck. Uh, I, I disagree. All right. Shall I tell you for why? Yeah, Sorry, tell me for just, why. Yeah, yeah. Tell me yeah. for why. Um, because our passing was poor. Lots of players. We're we're trying to play this this tacky one touch football at times, and and we're just not making the simple balls. Townsend, how many misplaced passes did he have yesterday? You yeah, know, he's.
3: Oh, I've got to defend him because he's he's you know he hasn't had a lot of time with those players and and. There's, there's something about Townsend that makes me think he's going to be a big success for us. But Oh, indeed. Uh, but, the, but, you know, there's not too many on his wavelength. I know Wilf took an awful lot of stick as well uh, for, for how he performed. And there's, there's some people saying that he was poor, but he's a good player. I don't actually think he was that poor. I think he got away from players pretty well. But, again, he's, he was, you know, they know where he's weak. Let him go onto his left foot. He's very unlikely he's going to cross it. He's always going to have to try and cut back if he's left side. Uh, when he's right side, just keep tight to him. And at the moment, he's struggling to do anything about it. It's, you know, it's, it's a difficult one.
2: <sighs> so uh, why but is he playing on the left? He can't well, cross
3: they, they, to his left. They do, they do switch about, but obviously Townsend prefers being on the right and cutting in on his left foot. But as Joe would say, football is a simple game. Left foot on the left wing, right foot on the right wing. In that voice, he'd use that voice. Uh, sorry, ages ago, Ben, I primed you for, for tweets and contacts, so I better, we better do that.
4: I've been collating furiously in the background. And, oh, uh, well, can
3: you not do that? I know we're, I know we're on
4: the radio, but. Anyway. Okay, I'm going to read some tweets out now. So I asked uh, if Pardue was right to not play Mandanda and Kabai uh, for the first few games of the season. Lots of people getting in touch. Darren Edwards says, I find it bizarre to be honest. There's no way they can use the too tired card. Mandanda can't be happy, and I don't blame him. Will Britton says, I feel Pardue's probably worried of losing players through injury again like last season. Kabai should start next week, hopefully. Uh, Nav's been in touch, and he says, it's no, awful management. Spurs had six Euro 2016 players starting yesterday, did it harm them? And we had Dudley and Hennessy. Bizarre. And he says, and Dudley starting, who went into the Euros with a broken leg, recovered sort of recovered from that, and played, unlike Kabai. It's just odd. Um, Bradley Russell says, if Kabai can do 45 minutes, plus getting up to game speed, he could have started and played 60 minutes comfortably. Uh, we also talked a little bit about uh, Jordan Much and Phil Thompson. Not that Phil Thompson, I think, not the Sky one there. Uh, Tim Phil Thompson says look, we're not being fair on much because he's not done a lot wrong he's just finished my neighbour's extension ahead of time
3: <laughs> Good, I like it what I feel excellent stuff uh, look you know I, 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 I've got to stop laying into him it, it's, a, it's a bit you know he getting a bit personal now Lucy likes Jordan much she's just tweeted him. so he's got somebody who likes him uh, Terence you've been quiet you, you're a big fan of Jordan much aren't you <laughs>
1: Um no, i'm not a big fan of jordan much um he he's quite tidy when he comes on uh keep, he keeps the ball well he he rarely gives it away um but <laughs> <laughs> My reasons why i don't like him are not, All right, they're not, not related. we exactly. we, ha- we haven't done this we we've done this before we don't need to do it again but right, i i th- i think he's championship level um and that's my opinion. All right. But uh you know it, it
3: is wrong of me to suggest that the very fact he was brought on the pitch was why we lost the game because it isn't true. Uh you know it isn't true at all. It was just me having a bit of fun. Uh there's a yeah good stuff in the tweets there. Uh one the one saying the chat room was not working. It's uh quite frustrating because uh, I, I think there's people in there isn't there Nick.
2: Yeah there's have we got five in there at the moment it's uh wholeradio.net slash chat, and it gives you the option if you want to go on a mobile one or if you are on a PC tablet. So you've got two options when you go into that now. Okay, good stuff.
3: But um, there was someone about to speak there? Sorry, I just no. All right, I just, I just obviously misheard. Um, so yeah, uh, the comment on Hennessy's been fine this far. Don't get not starting goodbye. Though. The, the Hennessy's been fine this far. Yeah, you know what, I'd agree with that. Although, uh, Terence, you picked out a moment during the game yesterday, I think, where he, he made a triple save, but you described it as the worst triple save ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I laughed when it ha- when it was happening um, because I knew that as it was unfolding in front of my eyes that I'm going to slate off this save which everyone else is going to perceive as being good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it shouldn't have to happen. The defle- Yes, the shot deflected the initial shot, but the ball bounces at about one miles per hour straight into his hands. 100% of Premier League goalkeepers, 100% of championship goalkeepers, 100% of Hackney Marsh's goalkeepers should be catching that ball with absolute <laughs> ease and not parrying it straight back into the six-yard box. He then proceeded to get up at the rate. Did anyone see the Lionsman fall over at the end of the game? <laughs> yeah. The, the Lionsman got up quicker than Wayne Hennessy did. But the only reason he got away of it was because Janssen coming in was so slow. So he, he managed to get up just in time to smother the second chance. And I think it, it, the second save is a good save because he's got up and he's made himself big and he's narrowed the angle. And, um, but if Jansen was any quicker, it would be a goal. Or if he held the ball, it would just be I can distribute it badly, probably for a throw in or you know to a Tottenham head at the back.
2: Yeah. Oh, dear. You love him, don't you? you really love him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we no, no. have Steve Mandanda who has, like I keep saying I keep hammering it home, has claimed more crosses than any other goalkeeper in the top five European leagues in the last four years Wayne it's, Hennessy hasn't claimed one
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it's, it does seem maddening to have, to have a player who is, is statistically and for those who have watched him regularly, rated so highly as a goalkeeper like you say, if it's a language issue you know, as as you pointed out and, and I made a joke about it, it doesn't really seem that it can be that much of a problem, uh, to just to talk in a back four, to, to shout when it's yours. That's all you really need. Uh, you know, you've got you've got your captain in, in that back four, you've got leaders in that back four who can organise around you. It's you know, it, I just I still maintain that however well Hennessy's playing, the confidence in him isn't there. And I know Patrick's observed this a lot on this show where, you know, and, and where we talked about why uh, why Dan and Delaney go for the same ball quite a lot, and it is—it's because there isn't the confidence in that there's a keeper behind them who's going to come out and collect it. You know, he's coming going to come out, jump above a couple of players, take a clean catch, and you know, maybe start an attack by rolling the ball out to someone's feet rather than sort of almost directly out of play. It, it, you know, it's 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 fine lines. And Hennessy's not a not a terrible goalkeeper. You know, he's he's Wales' is number one. He's got good experience. He played all you know pretty much all the last season. You know, he's not a terrible goalkeeper. It's just we've signed someone better. So let's play him. That's the frustration, I think. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about how people are playing. We're getting into the performances. Ben, I know we had some tweets in about how, uh, who, we, who people thought played well yesterday.
4: Yeah, I just asked uh, essentially who played well and who had one to forget. And we got a few tweets in. Uh, Skippy Windsor says, Chung-Yung-Lipo, well, again, not really feeling punching so deep in the midfield. He, we miss his creativity further up. Uh, Jason Baster says that Wickham had one to forget. He said, feel sorry for him, but as the main man, he needs to be in the box more than once. And he's put a picture in literally once in the whole game, did Wickham sort of get a touch in the box. Um, Ian Lyons says, "Kabai uh, showed the movement that we were missing, but Ward and Suarez's ability to turn possession over is what's killing us at the moment. And a few people actually agree with that, that both of our fullbacks have, have been letting us down a little bit. Nav says that chung Lee seems like a new signing, competition for punch in the number 10 role when all the players are fit again. Um, and then, actually, Gareth Wynne davies has stuck up for Hennessy he thought he played quite well yesterday.
3: OK, OK. Well, we'll take those sort of in, the, in the order we got them. But i Terrence you wanted to jump in, I
1: think? Yes. Yeah, um, obviously, I'm going to semi-jump to the defence of Wickham. I, I completely agree. Um, I think towards the back end of last season and um, in the game against West Brom, he did not make enough runs into the box. And um, I think that's been picked up on between now and the West Brom game. And he made concerted efforts to get himself into dangerous areas in the uh, penalty area. And Zaha and Townsend kept cutting back and not putting the cross in, which basically wasted his run. So he's not being given the opportunity to get onto the ball. But I totally agree that touching the ball once in the opposition penalty area when you're the one striker, lone striker is bad. But he's not being helped by his wingers either.
3: That's a really good point because obviously that stat shows you touches in the box it doesn't show how often he was in the box so it could be as much as you people have taken it as being damning for conor wickham you're right it could be it's just as damning for the for the people are supposed to supply him in the area and i did notice towards the end of the game he'd he sort of drifted out to the left of the penalty box uh when Zahar had some good possession and again Wolf cut into his right foot tried to take on a couple of people and lost the ball and the frustration in wickham was just was visible because it just sort of drifted off his marker and sort of turned and was expecting a you know, potentially a little reverse ball to play him in but but just nothing and i think I think he was getting to him uh, and supply is an issue we've had a couple of people say that already today who who've contacted the show um it's when we when we yeah we're talking about signing sonny <laughs> signing, uh, uh, sorry milay yeah that no, we're talking about selling him now talking about signing Christian christopher we but, but, but yeah but uh, all right, come on. Well, I might, no, not <laughs> talk about that. Talk about that another time. But you know, we yeah, we have signed Benteke, but if he gets the sort of service we got, we got against Spurs, then he, he's going to struggle as well to see any of the ball. So interesting,
2: interesting debate to have.
3: Uh, Nick, you got some stuff in the chat from the, about the goalkeeper situation. Yeah,
2: also on the subject of crosses, actually. And uh, yeah, you're right. The Benteke getting getting crosses into him is a worry. Um, cool Eagle eighty nine said that he was very frustrated when Hennessy claimed loads and loads of crosses in the Euros and he never does that for us.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well that's I mean, what does that say? Does that does that you know, is that about our organisation? Is it about it's about the players in front of him, I guess? Can we just say that, you know, maybe Wayne Hennessy's a bigger personality in the Wales squad than he is in the Palace squad and feels more confident to be the one who makes the call. But whatever, whatever it is, it, it shows he's capable of doing it. But he's, just, you know, he's six foot six as well. He should be claiming stuff in the air. He should be using the fact he can use his put those long arms above his massive frame. He should be able to catch the ball, out, you
2: know, above pretty much everyone. That was very Mills and bones. He put his long arms above his massive frame. But yeah, he showed last week <laughs> look, that if, he punched if, the ball as well, didn't he? So we want to see him do more of that.
3: Yeah, look, if that's the kind of thing that arouses you, then fine. But let's keep it off air. I can, okay. Uh, a special recording for you later on. <laughs> Sorry, you've distracted me. I oh, know I've derailed myself. Help! Someone help! Hennessy,
2: Mandanda, <laughs> somebody it. in the summary, somebody in the chat room said, um, "I can't remember what it was." Well, how do we know that Mandanda can claim crosses, which is a bit?
1: Terence, uh, the, the stats literally say he is the best at claiming crosses in the entire of European football. Right. Okay. For, for the last four years.
2: <laughs> okay, there you go, Brinska legal. There you go. <laughs> But he hasn't done it in the Premiership. Oh well, then.
1: Can he? Can he catch a cross on a cold Tuesday night in Stoke? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good point.
3: <laughs> yes, is the answer to that. Yes, he can. Oh dear. Uh, so a couple of the other performances that I picked out. Uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about Zaha. I just want to get a, a feeling from the uh, from the panel on that one. Uh, ben Ben Zaha in general is a bit of an enigma, isn't he? About uh, so so in a general sense, his final ball. Gets a lot of criticism. Is is that fair? We've seen him. We've seen him put a decent cross in, but is, it is fair that he perhaps doesn't do that as near as as much as he should. Right?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it actually will be interesting in the next few weeks to see how he deals with without Blasi, because I think a lot of the time, not necessarily you know recently, but in the past, we've seen it so often where they work off each other and almost try and outdo each other a little bit with with their skills and Holloway used to talk about that all the time how they how they bounced off each other and if, if one was playing really well then the other would try and get up to that standard and they'd swap wings and all that so it actually will be very interesting to see you know next couple of months he'll be watching how is playing at Everton and, and sort of almost trying to mirror him for us that Balassie had an absolute storm yesterday when he came on for Everton uh, but yeah Zahar, I mean I think he's got the potential to be brilliant and. I always talk about how he had that year off, essentially, when he was at United and on the bench. And he's just now; it's getting to the point where he should really be at the top of his game and, and getting back to to the levels that, that we've seen him previously. And this season is the one for him. He needs to really prove that he can put a decent cross in, especially with Benteke in the box. You know, he could get ten plus assists if he if he you know, learns how to cross the ball because Benteke will, will really start getting on the end of him. Yeah.
3: Do 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 you, do you feel Terence that Zahar can do that from the left of the pitch?
1: Yes, I do. I just, I don't think he has the confidence in what he's crossing to in the box at the moment. What I found was quite refreshing yesterday is in the second half, Punchin and Kabai actually managed to get into the penalty area, which is something that's not been happening in this run of defeats that we've been facing. Um, yeah. And As I spoke of earlier, when uh, Townsend picked out Kabai on the edge of the penalty area, zaha picked out Punch so it's refreshing to see the midfield getting into the penalty area to support Conor Wickham because previously it's just been him in the box on his own. So I don't think I think Zaha's getting to the stage where he beats his man, he gets to the byline, he's looking up, he's seeing five opposition players and one of his own and he's thinking, I'm not gonna be able to pick that out there. Let me cut back and wait for support to come. Yeah. So I think there needs to be a plan when Ben when the ball's wired they've got to know that Benteke is going to be in a penalty area because he's that sort of player and once you've actually got a bit more focus to say uh you know if I'm on my left foot I'm standing it up to the back post if I'm on my right foot I'm going across the near post Benteke also knows this it gives us a bit gives the wingers a bit more confidence in what they're doing but at the moment there just doesn't seem to be a plan of getting the ball into the player in the box
3: you're right and, and this is where we can start getting to the tactical discussion really because when, when, you, when, you know, when you're playing across, a player won't always be able to look up and pick out an individual player. That's, that's not how it works, is it? Sometimes it's about getting, you know, sprinting your, your guts out to get to the ball and just putting it in an area. And the trouble is, when you are putting it in an area, like you say, Terrence, and there's one person you're aiming at, it is, it is a lottery whether you're actually going to hit them or not. And It's about you know, whatever run they choose. It's just got to coincide with the way the cross has come in. If you get more people in the box, certainly that's you, you've got a better chance of hitting someone when you're playing that sort of percentage cross, if you like. So it is it is about having a player like Benteke, who you're going to have confidence in who's going to make the right runs as well. But it's also exactly what you've been talking about about getting that support in there, and not just for the cutback. It's about getting a couple of options in the box for people, you know, to to head the ball in
1: or, or yes, something. That sure. we miss James McArthur a lot because James McArthur is the only midfielder that we have that really does that on a consistent basis. Yeah, yeah, no,
3: absolutely right. Yeah, uh, you know, he is absolutely the the epitome of box to box. And uh, now he's back in training, and you know, he's someone I can't wait to see back in the side because he makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, but you know, this uh, like I say, we're talking a little bit about tactics there, so let's talk a sort of tactics in a wider sense, if if I might. Um, I said earlier on, I don't think that. That we actually got too much wrong against Tottenham, the, the way we played, the way we sort of approached the match. Uh, we were a bit fortunate in the first half because we just we did concede too much possession, but at the same time, you expect Tottenham to be able to come out at home and, and play that way. Uh, so we, we rode our luck a little bit, but the way the game panned out, you know barring the the unfortunate series of events, I think you know I think we would have ground out a point. but I don't know, what did you think, Nick?
2: Yeah, I thought if uh, Kabai had his shooting boots on, as, as with Punction, uh, we might have got a point. But you're right, we, it wasn't that bad a performance. It was just a few misplaced passes, which we can't blame on Jedynak anymore. And just the odd little thing not going right. And what was really, really frustrating is nine times out of ten, when we were on the break, there'd be a niggly little foul from a Tottenham player... Which is cynical, but it's what you need to do if you need to sort of hold the play up to allow your defence to get back. But they weren't getting the cards for it, were they? And I think that was our biggest undoing, being fouled a lot and them not being punished.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, how? what does Danny Rose have to do to get sent off, you know, to, to even first of all get a booking, but... I think he could probably come out after could have come out after half time with a machete and started lopping bits of people <laughs> off. And he probably, Oliver probably would have seen, let it go a couple of times, and then the sort of third or fourth one gone. Come on, mate! You know, come on, Danny. It's, it's not really fair, is it? He, he was I don't know. I, I mean, I I've got my issues with with Danny Rose. I I do wonder why he's quite so highly rated. He's all he's just pace. That's that's it gets him out of jail a huge amount pace but Mm. in terms of being a footballer good going forward but as a defender i I don't know why he doesn't get found out more than he does
1: uh but he's he's
3: awful absolutely awful
1: zaha uh, consistently finds him out and puts him on his ass so um and he did yesterday as well when it was on zaha one of the times where he was chasing back desperately and flying in and hacking him from behind and then the referee's not even um is waving play on and then forgetting to go back and book him but as soon as it was a Crystal Palace player he needed to remember to go and book you can bet your bottom dollar he remembered
3: yeah but that's that's Michael Oliver for you isn't it I think it, it was Michael Oliver I am right
2: it was uh, interesting seeing Townsend get booked for squaring up to the linesman I, I think he must yeah. have forgotten the new rule but it was yeah, nose to nose funny.
3: and he and you could see sort of it, towards the end of him shouting he kind of suddenly went oh <laughs> and sort of just backed away quite sheepishly but i don't I don't know if I agree with that that rule change. I kind of get the idea about respect, but when you're sort of that competitive playing football it's very difficult in the heat of the moment not to not to react to stupid calls uh but mm. there you go you know I think they they won't, they won't be happy to. It's robot football, will they, Nick
2: no, uh, robots right, ready <laughs> Sorry, that's back, isn't it? Oh,
3: God damn it, why did I set you up for that <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> There you go. So yeah, who else did I want to pick out? Joe Ward. A lot of people starting to say similar things that we've been saying at last sort of half a season or so that that you know he's he's seems to be struggling at this level. Uh, didn't think he had too good a game. What was your view on that, Terence?
1: Um, I, I think yeah, a hit and miss game. Um, I don't know if that's if I feel that that's a common trend of him, but he intercepted on several occasions, broke up Spurs play really, really well. And then, at other times, was just giving Danny Rose the freedom of the area in behind him. So, um, there was, there's definitely a consistency basis there with him because, you know, he's obviously not kicked on from when we first came into the Premier League and after the first season, people were talking about perhaps an England call-up for him. Um, he seems to have regressed from there, but I thought in flashes he showed yesterday that that player is still in there somewhere, but other times he just completely lost his head. And then when you combine that with that, we've got another fullback on the other side doing that, it's a little bit worrying.
3: I did notice he, he seems to be asked to, well, I don't know if he's asked to do it or it's something he just does, but he almost does act like another centre back when we're right under, when we drop deep and get under pressure. He becomes very narrow and does a lot of, he, you know, lots of heading out. Uh, you know, I suppose he's got a bit of height, you know, there is some logic to that. So, is this does this affect his positioning as a right-back? Is this a clue to perhaps a, a potential three at the back coming our way? Uh,
2: hmm. Yeah, it was actually mentioned in the chat room earlier, somebody said, now we've got three centre-backs, why don't we try that? But then you're looking at the kind of wing-backs and how good his towns end good at defending. Because that's Will- just be quite good. Wilf, Wilf has got a lot better at it.
3: Townsend was was excellent tracking back yesterday i thought in in spells in spells he you know he, he lost his man and you know i suppose that's where he's had criticism in the past but i thought he got back very very well a lot of it uh but yeah he wasn't perhaps not known for that before before uh, he joined us but i've been pretty impressed in, in both preseason and and the two games we played so far with his with his tracking back uh could you see us playing a a three at the back system Ben
4: um. Well, obviously we did do it once on the uh, on the North American tour, didn't we? We played that yeah, for one of the games. Did it, it go well. No, no, and I I just think it's quite. Well, in fact, it's not a, quite a, a bit of a risk. It's a huge risk if unless you've been practicing that all summer, which we clearly haven't, because of the first two games of the season we played four at the back. To all of a sudden completely change the formation, especially in a position where I think most Palace fans would think we're not going to be. You know, particularly far away from from you know the bottom five or six. Come the end of the season, it's such a risk to completely change everything and and risk you know things getting considerably worse. So uh, I don't think we should expect a, a three at the back formation anytime soon. To be honest.
3: Okay. Well, I'm going to sort of lead this on to the, the the sort of Ben Teke chat um, because it kind of follows quite neatly. Uh, we have got some tweets. I'll come back to you in a sec, Ben. Okay. Uh, but uh, so. We obviously we've signed Christian Benteke. We'll have we'll have a chat and obviously get your opinions in as well about how we want to see him employed in the team, whether we want to see him as a lone striker or how we want that sort of attacking four or five to look, maybe something like that. But so, but talking about the three at the back, Pardy mentioned that there might be an opportunity for Wickham to play along alongside Benteke. Maybe start looking at our our squad and how we might do that. You know, a, a three-five-two, it's a potential possibility there. Um so I'll get your views on that, please first, Nicholas, and
2: then uh, move on. Yeah, it's interesting. To three, five, two with two up front. But uh, I've seen a lot of managers talking about going back to four forwards too, which has kind of been out of out of vogue recently, hasn't it? Um, that that seems to be making its way back in. I don't know who would play off one another though if you had Benteke and Wickham up front. You almost you almost you almost need like the Murray Gale big one, small one. But maybe that's just what I've grown up with watching Palace. I don't know. But
3: you have two big ones, mate.
2: Two big ones, please. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I'll give it a go. You know. <laughs> Seriously, I, try- I think the, yeah. the, the what, what's missing. You know, never mind the tactics. Is and maybe I'm veering off subject slightly, but it's, it's the team spirit. We're talking about a whole not having the players, but sure they've got the attitude. And we need to get that back in before we think about any tactics, because you would be the best tactician in the world if you're your teammate on your side.
3: You do, and you know, I, like Jill mentioned it last week, and and I think the longer it goes on, the more I the more I agree with him in the sense that, that there could be an issue there. But at the same time, we've we've you've got, we've got to accept it's too late to, to worry about it now. We've got to accept that there is a change in other guard. There is a transition you know, there, is, there is a big transition but it's got to happen quickly because we you know we're playing we're playing a season you know and i would be interested to know what the contingency is if if the worst happens at the moment whether or not we've said okay we really need to change the way we play it's no good just staying in the league by playing counter-attacking football and just hoping for the best hoping that we're better than three other teams we've got to make this change but we might go down by doing it i don't know if that's accepted logic I don't think so. <laughs> I, think, I, don't, I don't think that the party will have any near that amount of time to, to go an entire season, you know what I mean? But um, no, what, did you, what did you reckon, Nick?
2: Sorry, he's, he's got to have the right players to do that and that, that's what I think he meant by the transition is who he brings in to play that style of football. If he's imposing a, a, or stamping a style of football on a group of players that just can't do it because we've only got three players potentially that are good passers and movers, then it, then it just ain't going to work introduce it when we've got the personnel, not before we've got the personnel.
3: Well, uh, do let us know what you think on this at home. I'll we'll get Terence's view in just a moment. But Ben, uh, we've got some tweets jumping back to some of the previous discussions as well.
4: Yeah, I asked what needs to change on the pitch really and if Pardew's sort of getting things wrong. Uh, lots of tweets in. Uh, Eagle Mark CPFC says we need to sign a playmaker. And then uh, CPFC just has sort of gone down the same a similar route and says uh, we're too pre- predictable and always looking to go down the wings. We're desperately missing a creative 10. And he's put, uh, I'll retweet this actually, he's put uh, um, a sort of map, pitch map of where our players seem to be. And there's a lot of movement out in the wings and and very little just sort of in the middle in front of the box. Um, a few more. Uh, the Rocky Top Man says, what's changed since December 2015? So uh, shots fired at Pazza. Uh, Jed underscore die says, need to have a plan B. If the wingers are not having success, we struggle. The central ball player would be good. Sorry, a central ball player would be good and maybe move to 4 4 uh, we talked a lot about Joel Ward back then and, and Hothi says Ward's been bad for 18 months and he thinks that Kelly should move to centre-back and move Tompkins out to right-back. And uh, Bristol Palace says we need a proper centre-forward and Kabai from the start, plus a decent driving attacking central midfielder. Some good views there. will be
3: interesting to see what business, if uh, if any, we can do in the transfer market before the end uh, of August. Uh, but you know, I would think the positions people have picked out there seem pretty, uh, pretty clear to me. Uh, so, Terence... Uh, talking well, tactically, first okay. of all, you've got the, the sort of 3-5-2 situation. Then anything else you
1: want to bring up, really? Um, I can't, like Ben says, I can't see the 3-5-2 happening. Um, I think to implement that sort of formation takes a lot of work off of the pitch. Um, and do we have a qualified first-team coach in yet? Kevin Keane, not I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, Kevin I'm Keen, not isn't sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, um it's gonna take some time for that to be embedded and I'm um, I think it's a dangerous game just throwing that in straight away. Uh also if you're playing three fight two, you're gonna probably end up having to sacrifice one of Townsend or um Zaha. Um, so how
3: do we accommodate Benteke and Wickham in the same lineup? Four four two, is
1: it? Well, for obviously Leicester won the league playing four four two last season and Probably more filled it in like a 4 4 1 1 with kind of what we played under, under Pulis when Shamak sat a bit deeper, held the yeah. ball up, and um, had whoever, Cameron Drone, playing ahead of him. Uh, the glory days. <laughs> 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 I
2: miss uh, Shamak.
1: But I, you know, Connor Wickham, in when he went through that period where he scored a bunch of goals for Sunderland, he was getting in behind defences and scoring so he can he can be that person who plays off of a bigger man Um but I can't see I, I see it being our regular back four um and MacArthur, Punchin at the point, Townsend and Zaha and Benteke in the middle and um, we just got to hope that for that to work that Punchin can find that creativity that he found at the end of The 14-15 season where he just seemed couldn't do anything wrong. But um, as I spoke a lot around that time, it was um, when as soon as he started playing that role, he looked great. But as soon as teams started making plans for him, he didn't adapt. So as the tweet that came in said, we need to find someone who can play at the point of that midfield and create something through the middle. Otherwise, we just remain very predictable with we're looking for Townsend or we're looking for Zaha.
3: But is is Punch not that man that you can play at the,
1: the, the sort of the point if you like? As I say, I think the the way that he fell off a cliff, his form fell off a cliff from the end of the uh, fourteen fifteen season into the fifteen sixteen season. Um, I'm not sure that he can. I think he's looked quite comfortable at the base of the midfield, but um, you, you're putting a lot of responsibility on his shoulders again, and. Yeah the assists and the goals just have not been there for the past 18 months for him. So um, I, I don't think that he's the answer.
3: Fair enough. And, you know, with with Pardew commenting that he is, he is our Paul Scholes and he is going to be dropping deep into the midfield, but it does beg the question what happens when Kabaye, MacArthur and potentially another signing are, are sort of all vying for those midfield places? It does beg the question where where's room for punching? Or indeed, where's room for someone else? But anyway, uh, you know it's it's a bit of a difficult situation at the moment. I think it's fair to say. I think a lot of people have lost faith in Alan Pardew, um, and that's kind of where I want to leave the, the last bit of this this review and this discussion before we get onto your forward reviews and start to wrap the show up. It's I find myself I find myself being critical of the manager, but I also find myself deliberately trying to say. I don't want to look at the back end of last season, and I, I just want to look at the start of this season, because because although there's not a huge amount of changes, they are two different teams, and more importantly, it's two different divisions. There's a you know there's a lot of changes in other squads and all that kind of stuff, but of course you have to take into account what happened last season and the the, the confidence of the players impart You, and I thought it was interesting to read uh, Tony Finnegan saying that uh, Balassi had lost all confidence in Alan Pardew. That's something
2: that worries you, Nick? Of course it does. Of course it does. Look what happened to Marino at Chelsea last season that enabled us to beat them. But he'd lost the dressing room to the point where they were deliberately, some would say, um, allegedly misperforming. Misperforming? <laughs> is that such a word? But yeah. performing under par, and then suddenly they get the new bloke in and they're brilliant again. So the manager is is that thing. He's the one that tells Jason and believe in yourself, go out and do it. He's the one that Royal tells um, Wilf whether to cross or not. You know, these messages aren't getting through, and if we're not doing the simple, basic stuff, and he's trying to impose a system on players who can't play that system, then questions do have to be asked. That said, it's too much, I think it'd be too now would be a very, very bad time to get rid of him during the transfer window. I'd give him till mid-October, and if it hasn't gone then, I, I don't think he, he'll last if, if it doesn't pick up very, very soon. Well, in do you, fact, do you, if you lose you, to yeah. Bournemouth on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think he'd be gone then.
3: I think there, there's severe pressure building, definitely, for sure. We've, I know we've had a bunch of tweets in as well, Ben, that we'll probably have to come back to uh, shortly. But I just want to get your views on whether you think Pardew's lost some of the dressing room, at least, if not if not most of it.
4: Mm, I know we very, very briefly touched on Jen earlier. Um, I just want to come back to that because I do think his exit actually for me and i think for quite a lot of other people it was a turning point because he was such a massive part of the dressing room and and to ship him out on oh and no he wouldn't be in any starting 11 and that's a whole other discussion but the fact that we, you sort of dismantling that you know that group of players that we were so fond of you know sort of in the promotion campaign and and then the first couple of seasons in the premier league actually Jenax can be a massive loss and i think that was sort of the beginning of the end for me and with Pars really and it does more and more so every week now seems like actually he's being found out and all essentially from when Pardew came I had Newcastle fans that I worked with every week saying you'll find out what he's like you'll find out what he's like because we went on that amazing run at the start and everyone loved him but actually I think now he, he probably is starting to get found out a little bit and, and it's worrying and I think actually if it gets to sort of a, towards Christmas time I don't think it'll go before then but if it gets to towards Christmas time we're still down there then something's going to have to change
3: well, uh, yeah, and, and your views has been shared by many, many people that I've spoken to. I, I don't know. I don't know how I, I feel on it. I, I just, the Genaf thing, it sort of it gets me annoyed because I, I, I maintain that so many people would just, we've been spending three years telling us he's not good enough for the Premier League, and the second Indeed. he walks out the door, <laughs> you know, especially you, Nick, Yeah. Yeah. But the second he the second he goes out the door, everyone says it's a huge mistake, and I'm like. I I can, one hundred percent see the logic in Pardew, in Pardew deciding that he needs to get Jednak out of the club, and that, that he's not going to play him. But probably more importantly, he's too big a personality for the changes that need to happen. You know, you 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 kind of I I have sympathy with that position that he took. I really do. Uh, Terence I'm going to bring you in on this. Uh, a couple of questions, really. Obviously, the Jednak debate we've, we've spoken to spoken about before. But, you know, have you lost confidence in Alan Bardew? Do, do you want rid?
1: Well, let me... This is something that SackBardew.com did for Newcastle, right? And um, i will touch on this um, in a lot more depth in my match report that will be released after the show on my website. Um, we are now... We've played 116 games since we've been back in the Premier League. And it just so for symmetry, 58 have been without Pardew and 58 have been with Pardew. So it gives us a nice comparison to look at both records. So pre-Pardew, we played 58, won 16, drew 14, lost 28, scoring 53 times and conceding 78. Under Pardew, it's 21 wins, 10 draws and 27 losses. Um, That's 11 more points than pre-Pardew. We scored 66 goals, that's 13 more, and conceded 74 and that's four fewer than we did before. We've got to ask, do we think this improvement is as much as we would want it to be, just 11 points, when you're factoring in that we've had three managed before that, um, all sorts of turmoil, two um, caretaker periods for Keith Midden, Is 11 points more to sort of haul we would want from extra stability that we've had i'm not so sure um somebody said what's happened since december 2015 at december 2015 he was averaging 1.8 points per game he is now averaging 1.26 points per game and if you look at the last the first 19 games of the 1.8 points per game to the last 19 points last 19 games he's averaging only 0.68 points per game, yeah, which, which is very form. Yeah, so he's not doing himself any favours in terms of keeping the faith of the fans, and I want to, I'm really trying really, really hard to give him to the end of this transfer window to see if he can get the business in that he wants. Okay, I'm... Um, aggravated that the business hasn't happened earlier i mean people have joked that we've saved a million quid in wages on benteke but i would have (laughs) rather paid that million quid and have him um you know in and around the squad in pre-season um you know having your big marquee signing being there on the opening game of the season and probably making a difference against west brom and i would have liked to have seen us not be six weeks behind the start of the season as it looks like we are but I will give him to the end of the window and hopefully he can get in the players that he needs, which for me is we need at least another full another centre midfielder, and perhaps as many as two more strikers and then see where we are. But the way our running is at the end of the season, we need points on the board early and our next four games are against teams that we need to be picking points up against. And if how long can you leave it? We need probably 10 points in our next four games when you're looking at the opposition that we're playing. And currently, I cannot see that that's going to happen.
3: Okay, so uh, that, those are our thoughts. We've got the whole views of the panel on, on Alan Pardew and the future for Palace. Uh, what we'll do is take a short break now for your uh, four-word reviews. And when we come back, uh, have a quick chat about our sponsors, FanDuel, and how basically how I've been making loads of money. It's been great. I'll talk, talk to you about it <laughs> in just a moment. Uh, <laughs> then we'll round up the last of your contact before we end the show as well. So coming up now, it's forward reviews. Four-word reviews. Ian Wackle, defending corners, no
4: work required. Kitty Pantaloon says, ruined my weekend again.
1: Max Thompson says, call Pardue a cap."
4: Our very own Lucy White says, fans are never satisfied.
1: Pat
3: White, it must get better.
4: Gavin Goodchild, move on, next game. At shefford 203 says, need more creativity. Lollipops?
3: Well, you needed a third word, and it's fine, it's fine to have a third word. Uh, Dank six one five. Wickham's last game, hopefully.
1: Hang on. Dan Lowry says not bad, but lost. Foster seven SJ. Ben Benteke is not answer. Well, that's just rubbish. It
3: depends <laughs> what the question is as well. Maybe the question is who did we? Who is our record signing? This clearly is the answer, isn't
0: it? Review the game next week by tweeting hashtag Forward Review to add Whole Radio. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by fanJuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Uh,
3: just before we round up the last year of contact, just a quick chat about our sponsors, FanDuel. uh They've been uh, with us since the start of the season. And uh, you know, we're doing our best to get uh, get people involved in this. Uh, it's uh, just, just to sort of give you the blurb really so Fangio, it's uh, you don't have to forget your season long commitments of picking your team in the normal way of fantasy football yeah, They just your your leagues will last either one day or, or one weekend which gives you a fresh start a new chance to win every week you can pick your team from the week's, weekend's fixtures any formation you want just stay under the virtual uh, uh, transfer cap of £100 million uh, the value of the players changes every week so be on point with your picks as they tell me to say uh, it's up to you whether you put your own <laughs> money in. Of course, uh, there are free leagues every single uh, every day. Well, at least one one or two a week. There's free leagues, so you don't have to pay any money in it at all. Uh, but if you do want to get into the sort of the, the gambling side of it, there is a special offer for new users. Enter the promo code Palace, and fanjo will refund your entry fee if you lose up to ten pounds, which gives you double the chance to prove yourself as the ultimate football manager now I've been moaning about this because I've been rubbish at it ever since we've been sponsored by them. But this week, success. Uh, Entered a couple of different, uh, entered I think four tournaments in total—one free and three of the paid tournaments—and I've started picking the sort of the tournaments that have got sort of ten to twenty people in them, hoping that just it's just the other nineteen people are more rubbish than I am. And success this week in two of the tournaments, they were more rubbish than me, and I've won thirty pounds this weekend. That's right. You're right to be impressed. So that was, uh, that was off a stake of about seven pounds. Uh-huh. Um, I know uh, Alex, uh, who's been, has won a bit of money last weekend as well. Uh, it's a real challenge; it really is. The highest scoring player in in my teams today was Patrick Van Arnholt. You know, because like I said before, it's because it's based on Opta stats. You kind of like you think there's got to think there's people who are going to score higher than him, but today he got just under forty points. I think it was, which was uh, one of my league's... Uh, was more than half of my total score. Uh you know his team didn't even win. So there you go. Good stuff. Uh are any of you guys playing it? I can't remember you are. Yeah. Right, I think.
2: Yeah, and it's it's difficult to you've got to try and pick a team where you're picking players that not everybody else is going to pick. Although the last two weeks Aguero has been my first pick because he's guaranteed to score. I think yeah. he got 51 points yesterday. He did yeah. Um and you've got to kind of pick players that are going to be busy. So, for your defending teams, you want to be picking Bournemouth players who are going to be playing Man United, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you try and pick a top keeper. Who, who's the Liverpool goalie? He, he ended up with minus five yesterday, I think.
1: That's it. Because that's, he yeah.
2: he did, didn't actually make any saves. He just let two in.
1: Uh, but... Mignolet conceded six consecutive shots on target when you factor in the Arsenal game and the Burnley game, apparently.
2: Wow.
3: <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> uh...
1: But yeah, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying
3: the challenge of actually of just not the laziness of just picking the players who are going to score every week. The actual thought process of trying to, you've got to try and find at least two or three gems every week who are, who allow you, allow you to buy the bigger players who are kind of guaranteed points, like Aguero. I mean, by the end of the season, Aguero is going to cost the majority of your budget.
2: Yeah. You know,
3: that's because, because obviously it changes depending on how many, many points they score. So by the end of the week. So by the end of the season, it's been very difficult to pick the best people every week. Whereas at the start of the moment, you know, you can go out and you can just pick the top scoring players uh, from all the teams all weekend. But that doesn't guarantee you anything. Because what will happen is you'll get someone like, like I say, Patrick van Arnold this week, who on the up to stats got just under 40 points and won me 20 quid this
2: weekend, which was glorious. <laughs> yeah. What I like about it, Chris, is like you say, I put out five five challenges or five teams this week and it cost me four quid I think because I did one freebie and four one pound ones and I can afford that um there are other competitions you can enter that cost 300 quid to enter aren't there so it really really does range yeah but um like I say every week um if it stops being enjoyable stop
3: yeah absolutely and I say I would never I'd never force anyone down the route of gambling you can't just play for fun uh, go to holradio.net radio dot net forward slash famduel for more information. That's f a m d u e l. Case the way I say it not clear.
2: <laughs> Full in it, bruv.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I've just you know, I know we have, you know obviously they are sponsored. We are, we do promote it for a reason. But I, you know, I'm finding it genuinely enjoyable. I have to say. Uh, anyway, so back to the contact. Ben, you've been our contact. Uh, I can call you a contact bitch. That'd have been inappropriate. A contact person. <laughs> Guru. About that, will do. Guru. Yeah. Upstar. <laughs> So what have you got for us to round off the
4: show? Yeah, so I asked about Ben Teke um, and the sort of formation, whether he should have a partner or, or be a lone striker, and actually a few differing views on that. Jordan Mason says lone striker. He, we need a more creative central attacking midfielder behind him. Again, that's obviously something that a lot of people have touched on. He says someone like Samir Nasri with Zahar and Townsend on the wings. Uh, ben Allen has sort of gone down the same route and said that we need an attacking midfielder in behind him and the basic ability to pass the ball to feet. That would help. Uh, famous CPSC says let's go four four two. 2 time to try something new um, Daniel Stone says Lone Ranger uh, so actually a few very different views Ben Allen has come back again he says that um, Remy if we're playing four four two, 2 and if not we need someone in the Sigurdsson mould uh, and then earlier on just to finish off sort of sums it up quite nicely I said uh, what needs to change on the pitch Max Underwood's got in touch quite simply says goals mate uh,
3: thank you for all your contact this week gents before we go uh, any last comments Nick, you, I know you want to jump in at
2: some point. I can't remember when it was. Uh, I can't remember, but um, we better a blooming win in the week. Um, and is our preview show going to have a bit of a Bournemouth review in it as well? I'd imagine it would. I just wanted to get the preview show up because Terence does a mighty fine job on that.
1: Thank you. Yes, the preview show will be um, including <sighs> a mini Blackpool review unless we lose. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget that it ever happened.
3: Should we just? I mean, just so you know, in my notes it says don't allude to the preview show as it's not guaranteed to happen this week due to some uh, <laughs> issues of getting a uh, producer. But don't worry, Nick. You just you just present the show whenever you like. Uh, just Look. just ignore what I'm supposed to say. But
2: oh, oh, sorry, it. I didn't mind read your notes.
3: Well, just stick to your role. <laughs> Let's have this conversation off air. Or I can get more sweary with you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh,
3: I'm only kidding I'm really nice off there
2: no you're not you're even worse.
3: <laughs> anyway I'm sure we will have a preview show the course of the week we'll find some way to make it happen now Nick has committed us to it <laughs> Uh but if we don't uh, we'll see you next Sunday anyway as you say Nick it's, we've got to, got to beat Bournemouth otherwise the pressure on Pardew is going to be immense and let's see if we get any more players in uh, in this transfer window certainly hopefully In the next week or so, we'll have some more talent in to back up the signing, which is I will say, again, to end the show, is a very exciting signing, Christian Benseke. Could be absolutely huge for this football club. So, end on a positive. Happy days. See you next week. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Optus stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier Premier league match day with FanDuel. And just for Holmesdale radio listeners, we've got an extra special offer right now. When you sign up, use the promo code PALACE. That means if you don't make money in your first contest, FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10. So go to fanduel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now. What are you waiting for? Terms apply. Over 18s only. Please play responsibly.
1: Um, there's a hotel opposite where I'm sitting, and there's just a topless girl walking around. let's
3: discuss that immediately uh, <laughs> So uh, thank you for uh for, for listening to the podcast immediately
1: terence uh you've got a dilemma um I'm definitely not sharing that dilemma when we're recording. <laughs> you realize
3: that Sam was recording sam you uh you can include the chat the bit before before I said thank you you for... We
1: now yeah. know what your
3: dilemma was Terence are you going to agree- Going to
1: extrapolate on that at all, or we're we going to have to go to Nick's
2: dilemma. Yeah, we'll go to the next dilemma. <laughs> Nick, what's your dilemma, mate? Well, I was—I I wouldn't know more about Terence. So I think we should play twenty <laughs> questions to try and get a mental picture. Yes or no, Terence? Uh, does she have red hair <laughs> <laughs> on her head?
4: This is murky, murky water we are treading in currently. Yeah, guys, yes. come on. What was also, that about libelous mouth? Let's leave it. Let's move on. Yeah, yes. I think you're right. I think it's, let's, let's, not, let's not get sexist day. Let's
3: be. No. Uh,
2: my, uh, my dilemma is I um, went round to the uh, father-in-law's house. He's been looking after my, my son, uh, getting to help him with some work in the garden because um, father-in-law's getting quite, you know, getting on a bit. Um, bless him. It? Come on. No, you go around somebody's house and you know the food is going to be absolutely horrible and you still have to eat it. I had to pretend I was very, very ill just to avoid eating dinner. I was just wondering what sort of things you've done to avoid eating food around somebody, a relative's house because you know it's going to be rubbish what, what do you do to get out of it it's, I can't faint make... illness every time, I need some help
3: well my uh, my grand before she passed away, bless her, she had started to go uh, you know, senile unfortunately and uh, the, the meals, I used to go around and see her in the evenings uh, after work, sort of like midweek, something like that just go and spend an hour or so with her, make sure she was alright and all that sort of thing and uh so I'd go I go around and, and it started with the food started to get really dry, you know. She was she was always quite a good cook when from like, I remember from my young younger days, but yeah, she started she she managed to cook a piece of turkey that essentially I don't know had the absorption rate of I don't know, a, a, a nappy or something. It was unbelievable. I took t- one bite of this sort of bit of turkey breast and it just took all of the fluid from my body. <laughs> it was, you know, and uh, yeah, and that was the sort of first sign that things were starting to go awry. Um, and I think one of the last times I went around to see her, um, the entire plate of the food she'd cooked was just sitting in the sort of under the grill that hadn't been on because the oven wasn't turned on. Um, so uh, I was uh, I was able to come up with a good excuse not to eat that, and it was uncooked eggs and bacon and stuff. <laughs> um, but I, 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 a sad I, story, that. Yeah, that was sadder than it was in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, I'm, cause I'm if, if it much, helps, if it helps, I laughed a lot when I saw it, it was uncooked, but it is sad. I shouldn't have laughed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I'm very much Vicar of Dibley situation. You remember that episode where she had to eat about four Christmas dinners? I'm yes. I'm I'm very much just get on with it, just eat it. Get it done. Get out of there. So, uh, yeah, what did you do, Nick?
2: I, well, I was, went upstairs and pretended I'd been sick. and It must have been something I ate in my she own can't... house last night. You
3: can't <laughs> do got... that every time, though, can you? <laughs> yeah, this is serious. why I'm asking. Come tell Terrence, you must have ideas.
1: Um, suggest a takeaway? Mm. Is, that not, is mm-hmm. that not a simple thing to do? Yeah, I'll have cooked food? it.
2: They've cooked it already. We went round there one boxing day. And all they had in the cupboard was a piece of broccoli. Seriously, (laughs) (laughs) they had no food. Listen,
3: you've just got to turn up eating something. Basically, that's that would be my tip. Just turn up every single time you go there, and you've got just you know get on the chippy, get you know small chips for a quid or whatever. Just turn up eating chips. Oh, sorry, no, I've eaten every time. It'd be fine.
2: Oh look, I've accidentally bought six pot noodles with me. Come on, mate. We eat pot noodles. Talking of Nan's and Nan's cooking, my, my dear old uh, Nanny Guinness, uh, she's been dead years years and years now, but she she lived with us, my mum and dad for a while um, while they were trying to sort her out, a new flat. And um, she used to make these amazing chicken casseroles, and she wouldn't let anything go to waste. So if there's any food left, she'd just scrape it back into the saucepan, into the big pan, and then we'd have it again the next night. And uh, my dad used to be terrible. He used to have a bag at the dinner table um, after dinner, like people we used to smoke in their houses years ago. They don't anymore. And um, he put his um, cigarette out on the plate, and my sister got it the next day. She got not dog in Oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh that's,
3: that's, that's unpleasant. It is. Happy
2: days. <laughs> Happy days. Oh, Good old Nanny Guinness. Yeah.
3: So I suppose just before we go, uh, obviously... Do appreciate you downloading the show and uh, obviously share it with your with your friends. They don't have to be Palace fans. We, well, you know, I, I know there's plenty of non-Palace related listeners, but there's also plenty of Palace related people who don't listen, and they should, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they, everyone? Yeah. Yes, recommend yeah. a friend. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I suppose one last little Palace question for you all: um, if you could kind of pick one player, it could be one of the rumored players that we're we're linked with um, that would. You think would make the big dif- the biggest difference in the squad, and and sort of turn your thinking from a struggle against relegation to looking further up the table? Who would it be, Nick?
2: Wanted one player? Has it got to be a reasonable choice? Yeah, like I'd say a realistic dishes?
3: player. I am talking about a genuine thought of of someone we could go for.
2: I'd like someone like Nasri or somebody like that, playmaker, somebody somebody move forward with the ball and distribute it quite well because it's the distribution. That's missing, not the finishing or anything, really.
3: All right. What
1: do you reckon then, Terence?
2: Did you say Nasri? Somebody like that, yeah. Oh,
1: he's, he's knees. He's knees like a pineapple.
2: That ne- uh, knees Nasri.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Barahino. Um, I was impressed with him when he played at Salas last week. I've always been impressed with him when I've seen him play. Um, two points though. on Fanduel
2: yesterday, though.
1: Two yeah. points. But you've got to ask your question, yourself the question, can we make it work? We've already we talk in the main show about um, playing two up front and whether that would work for us with the personnel we have. So I looked to the central attacking midfield area, someone to drop in behind there. Um, you know, Steve Parrish says we have to look upwards and try and, like, shed our... Um, Small club mentality, so I'll go for Lionel Messi, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benjamin. Uh, yeah, I still like the look of look like Remy. To
4: be honest, I think that potentially maybe only on but I think it's probably still a player that we're we're looking at. But actually, Oliver Burke is someone that uh, obviously has been linked and actually has been very very good for the last few weeks. I mean, I, th- I can't you know I can't say that I've watched you know every game he's played for the last two seasons, but. By all accounts, you know he's only nineteen and actually looks like a very, very good player. Scored a couple of goals last week, um, and so I, I'm, I'm still keen on sort of trying to get through a few, you know, sort of not, not not unknown, but relatively unknown sort of players like that. And, and he's one that I, I like the look of.
2: That's a difficult one, though, isn't it, Ben? Because you get people who who are slagging people off saying, "Oh, look, Gale scored again this week." Oh, but that's only Championship. And then you get the mm. same people who are clamouring for sh- Championship players who are scoring goals. They
4: yeah. just it's a paradox. Yeah, well, it's just football, isn't it? It's just football,
3: so. Yeah, I just want to, personally, I just want to see us, you know, have a team full of people who are comfortable on the ball. And we we should have that already. And it just seems, certainly of late, that the confidence isn't there. So we really need someone to lift confidence. I'd like to see a bit of experience come in, you know. Um, You know, when when you talk about players who aren't going to be playing, someone like a, a Schweinsteiger, you know, he's i'm not saying necessarily that he's a realistic target i don't know but, but i would like to see something someone of that ilk someone with a bit of class who's still got a bit to offer as well uh, which is a difficult ask it really is you know you don't like to sign players past their peak he's he's one who's past his peak for sure but you know that type that kind of influence we've, we've got rid of someone who's a massive influence in jednak and i think you do have to go out and replace like for like but with in, in the sense that you go out and replace a big personality with a big personality, but just someone this time, it's you, got a bit more about him in you know in terms
2: of top division football. He just so didn't want to go, did he, Jedinak?
3: No, I don't think so. No, no. But at the same time, would he have been happy sitting on the bench or not playing at all? You know, I don't. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I don't. I, you know, I, I. As I said on the show, I don't. I don't see that the strength of. Uh, opinion of him leaving far outweighed the amount number of people who, who actually wanted him in the team it, it was bizarre really bizarre it's one of the the worst thing is i don't want to end on a negative because i could really rant about about the way I, some of our
2: fans have been behaving i really could it's just another thing to peg on pardew for those who don't want him here isn't it
3: it is and look I, I do understand that that pardew is uh, he is a majority, Nick. He's a majority who want it, Who who have had enough of him. That is, I think that's a fact. When you start looking at uh, all of the different opinions and people, you know, people whose opinion I respect, who can who talk properly about the game, uh, yeah. think think he's done.
2: Yeah, <laughs> a lot you. of people well, on the radio, proper radio yesterday <laughs> said that. Um... Hey, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's awful, isn't it? <laughs> we're, we're saying he, he should be. I think it was Chris Waddle was talking about it and how managers who, who had won that few amount of games had gone by March, let alone October
1: in the year. That yeah, dog's got- even had enough apology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: uh, I think we've gone a bit crazy with the extra content today, so let's end it there. Uh, plenty more to talk about throughout the course of the season. Probably these themes, themes will be repeated. Anyway, cheers for downloading, and do join us again next week. Bye.